0: this is a podcast by wellhouse church where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon what's going on bible nerds we are talking about acts five um and the healing and persecution of the apostles
1: yeah, we are we are talking about religious trauma today, folks. Yeah, um, That is absolutely what we talking about. Always a fun conversation. <laughs> you know, I think we approach it with that kind of mentality because there's not enough conversation happening around
0: it. So it's a really uncomfortable conversation. It feels
1: uncomfortable because not enough people are having it and it feels uncomfortable because you're going against a very powerful institution. Yeah. You're using your voice to speak against a power system that as the text shows you is possible to hurt you. Right. Um, and I think that's true now, even still, I think religious trauma and abuse takes a different form now. But um, John MacArthur's public shaming of that woman in 2002 that's just recently come out, um, that is religious trauma and abuse via fear and intimidation tactics, mm-hmm. which is the same exact thing we see in this text today. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think it's an uncomfortable conversation. Number one, because not enough people are having it. Number two, because the church refuses to acknowledge that that's what they do. Right. Um, And honestly, I think it might be because the church doesn't see a way forward Mm -hmm. without it. They've done it for so long, and nobody cares to try to figure out how to do it in a new way. Um,
0: Well, they use it, like we're going to see here, control the narrative of they use it to
1: control everything right
0: um and call it discipleship uh
1: yeah they they don't but yeah religious education training whatever
0: yeah religious leaders of today um use yeah religious
1: religious leaders today would call it discipleship yeah right
0: they would call it discipleship but really, what it is is just fear and intimidation tactics.
1: It. I'm gonna write an indoctrination. I'm gonna write a bonus article on my blog, Faithful Deconstruction. Um, it's on Substack, or you can follow me on Instagram, which is linked below, and it's linked in my bio. But I'm gonna write one and a bonus episode. I write an I write an article every Friday. Um, and it's just a place for me to. Put content out that's not connected to Wellhouse. This is a place for me to be authentic and vulnerable and log my own theological deconstructive journey um, for anyone that wants to read it. And so I post one of those every Friday. I'm going to actually um, post a bonus episode or a bonus article uh, sometime this week. I haven't figured out the time I'm going to write it, but it's going to be dedicated to this John MacArthur thing. And the claim that I'm going to make is that this is no different than extortion. It's just we don't call it that because it's a religious institution. But the manner in which they used fear and intimidation to try to get her to take back her husband who was convicted of child abuse and sexual assault. Yeah. They were asking her to take him back and saying that she was delusional because he was the children's um, orchestra director at their church—that's mm-hmm. um, extortion. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that is. It yeah. is crying shame.
0: Well, and then not only is it horrible, but these people aren't held accountable for these things, as we no. see here, yeah, as well. Um, with the the later on, we'll see that. They're not even held accountable. Like that whole thing um, with Mark Driscoll at the the Gateway Conference, mm-hmm. they made him out to be the victim.
1: It's because the system of power is designed to protect those in positions of power. That's right. what the whole Mars Hill thing showed everybody. Yeah, is that power is designed to protect power. That's right. Power systems are designed to keep the powerful people at the top. Yeah. So and it- we do it. In some weird way, because we fa- we fantasize, what the Bible says. Yeah. That's what John MacArthur said so many times. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says, God needs judgment here. Right. God must discipline us, and Eileen is in need of discipline. Yeah. What? Are you freaking kidding me?
0: <sighs> yeah. So let's look at this in the text. All of what we just talked about is a modern idea of this issue.
1: It's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, that is a modern retelling of this same story in a different kind of way. Yeah. Um, so our text for today begins in acts five twelve for, um, the plan in order for us to preach through the entire book of acts in this year, all the way up until Advent. That's what we're going to be doing. And, i have to take these large chunks of scripture in order to accomplish that so it's not like i'm doing verse by verse exposition of all of this i'm not i'm assuming that since i am going right through the book you can read along with me if you so choose but this section of chapter 5 12 through 16 is good stuff um this is the document or this is the description of what's happening at Solomon's Portico. Also translated as porch. Um, Basically, what you should think about this is is some kind of outdoor amphitheater that has some sort of structure, uh, open-aired structure, uh, that's a public venue that all these Christians just happen to be gathered at. And people start bringing their sick to them because they're known as healers. And it's so prominent that the text says... Verse 14, yet more than ever, believers were added to the, to the Lord, great numbers of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats in order that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he came by. A great number of people would also gather from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all cured. That, to me, because we know that these people are doing this in the name of Jesus because yeah. they tell us at their trial, there's never been a more beautiful picture of what the Christian community is supposed to look like. Yeah. Being in the public, helping the hurting, yeah. and doing it in the name of restoration of Jesus. That is our faith. That right there. If it's not, we're doing it wrong. I'm sorry. That is our faith. Yeah. Uh if our faith is big buildings and
0: multi-billion multi-million dollar budgets and And
1: big performances and emotional manipulation and religious trauma and nah. It ain't it. That that looks like the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. That looks like the people that killed Jesus. That's not what the Christians look like. Yeah. Um And part of it, you know, I got a lot of thoughts on religious trauma because I got, I got so much of it. Um, listeners, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm kind of vocal about this on Instagram. But uh, I got so much religious trauma, I can't even listen to Christian music anymore. I think that's one of the reasons that we don't do it or promote it at Wellhouse. But not,
0: not that we see anything wrong. with No, it no, no. I'm totally it's yeah. Just, um,
1: and we'll do them at celebration gatherings. Yeah. But I just it it's triggering for me. Um, yeah. It's just it's just simply triggering for me, and so I got lots of religious trauma, and I'm quite aware of the fact of the similarities between the Pharisaical system and that. Of white evangelicalism and well, I guess just, yeah, American evangelicalism maybe is the better way to say that. But I'm also, I'm quite concerned with the power elements at play here. Um, these are the people that killed Jesus. hmm Because he was saying something contrary to what they believed. Right. They arrested the apostles for healing people. Mm -hmm. Um, Christianity was birthed out of persecution and oppression. Mm -hmm. It's a religion for poor, oppressed people. I don't know that it can ever survive if you give it privilege and power. I think privilege and power will always corrupt its simplistic beauty. It's supposed to be a faith of devotion to Jesus and the grace and restoration and healing of God, both to heal humanity and his created world, as we yeah. see in Revelation 21 and 22. Um I think when you give it power and wealth, just like when you give anything, it corrupts.
0: The, the reason that Jesus's ministry was so powerful, at least in my mind, is because he released his power. Yeah. He gave up his power to be present and, um, involved with us hairless
1: apes. (laughs) Yeah. Us hairless (laughs) apes. Yeah. Yeah. Us hairless apes. Yeah. So, as the story goes on, the high priest and the Sadducees. The Sadducees are the religious sect that um, handles the temple um, business. They are they are quite strange. They don't believe in the resurrection. They they are, they are an odd group of zealots. Per se, I guess they're not really zealots, but anyways, they end up arresting the apostles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As the story goes in verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison's doors, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. When the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple police went there, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. All right. There's a lot of things there. Yeah. If you have a problem with the miracle conversation... I, I don't really know. what I mean, people break out of prison all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally have a problem with the miracle element. I believe that God's powerful enough to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I personally don't have that problem, but I do know that there are people that the miracle thing is um, actually difficult for them. And I would tell you, if the miracle thing is difficult for you, um, hopefully the prayer thing is not. Yeah, An angel of the Lord can definitely come to someone and tell them to go preach, and these are people who have been in prison several multiple times, times yeah. and have broken out several times, multiple times. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, um, I think they know how to get by. They might be street hustlers. I don't know. They, they might, they might know their way around that, that life. So, beginning of verse twenty-four. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then, someone arrived and announced. Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence. They were afraid of being stoned by the people. Notice that it says without violence. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? And, And this, to anyone who grew up in conservative Christianity, this is not eisegesis. This is actually exegesis. Clayton, what does it tell you that it specifies that they did it without violence?
0: Um, So, then then the captain went with them, uh, went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being
1: stoned by the people. Um, It should tell you that the use of violence is their common practice. Right. When it explicitly states that they don't use violence, Mm -hmm. you should think that that's an exception to the rule. Right. These people normally use violence and they are temple police. Mm. They are a self-identified force that is owned and controlled by the religious institution. Mm -hmm. Are you flipping kidding me? You want to talk about something that's been corrupted by power to the point that they use violence oh. in their arrests, but they can't do it this time
0: they're afraid because people. these
1: people oh. have got the following of the community mm-hmm. because they actually feel loved right. by these people. And so they know that if they use violence, there might be an insurrection. Right. So they don't use violence, but they arrest them again. Hold that in your brain. Verse 27. When they brought them, they had them stand before the council. high priest questioned them, saying, We give you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. Um. This is a side note that I did not have time to talk about, but is absolutely worth noting. Um, Clayton, what's the main theme of the book of Acts? Holy Spirit stuff? Holy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what verb happens to the person with the Holy Spirit? Filled? Filled. They're filled with the Holy Spirit? You should note when you see the word filled, In the book of acts Hmm.
0: interesting
1: it it is it is intentional to let you know that luke is presuming that they are taking over they are filling jerusalem with christians they Hmm. are taking over this institution wow things are happening and the holy spirit is absolutely taking over interesting Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, you whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Does that not sound like a beautiful answer that says, hey, I mean, you no harm, but you did kill my guy. Mm -hmm. We're just doing what we feel like God's asking us to do. It's a beautiful answer. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Power, corruption, violence, murder.
0: Trying to, all s- by, trying to silence voices.
1: All by the religious leaders. Mm. Gosh dang it. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah.
1: Then a guy named Gamaliel gets up. Ironically enough, good readers of their Bible will note that Gamaliel is actually the Apostle Paul's mentor. Hmm. Paul says he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Interesting. Paul is a disciple of Gamaliel. Gamaliel is a teacher of the law. and He stands up and basically says, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Wouldn't be a good thing for you. So after Gamaliel's speech, the text says at the end of verse 39, they were convinced by him. So Gamaliel comes in and saves the day because he understands what's about to happen if they kill them.
0: It also says there that Gamaliel is respected by the people.
1: Correct. He is. Um, well, that's why Paul name drops him.
0: Yeah. He's, he's kind of an influential dude. Oh, yeah. And his word is not taken lightly.
1: Correct. Correct. He's a teacher of the law. He's a Sadducee. He's there amongst the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, very influential man. Verse 40. When they call when they called in the apostles, they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And as they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus. As the Messiah.
0: I'm also seeing a trend here with the, the name of Jesus throughout this early part here. It, like, it's so influential here in in what Luke's trying to do.
1: What should this book be called, Clayton? The, the Acts of Jesus via the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Yeah. It is absolutely, there's a focus on the name of Jesus with the epithet mm. ma- Messiah. Mm-hmm. Christ, uh, office of liberator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Clayton. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what it means to be flogged?
0: Um. So yeah, it's this really awful process. Um, using a torture device. Um, called the cat of nine tails or uh, cat No. Nope. Nope.
1: No, no. No, that's receiving the 40 lashes. Okay. 39 if you're a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, flogging is when you usually tie someone to a table or something where they can't move away. You take their shirt off and you beat them with a stick like we did in colonial American slavery. That's what flogging is. hmm I don't know how an institution of grace could order that to be done. Makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't understand. I, I will never understand. How is that? What a religious institution is supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately white evangelicalism would look at it and go, yeah, that's terrible. We don't have temple police. I'm like, no, but you pay cops to sit at your services. And and by the way Pay them handsomely Yeah um,
0: And maybe you don't like
1: Physically
0: um, Discipline
1: Oh no but I have watched Police officers remove people From church property mm-hmm. uh, I just I don't I don't know I don't understand I don't I will never think that that's the appropriate way to do anything. And, you know, I didn't talk about it here because time's sake, uh, but I'll briefly mention it. I don't think that anyone sits quote unquote under my pastoral authority. I don't, I don't know what that means, but that gives me a fallible person way too much power, (laughs) way too much power. I'm just a normal dude. Yeah. Here's what I want everybody to know about me, Pastor Cullen. I'm a normal dude. My job is a pastor, mm-hmm. my identity is not.
0: Yeah.
1: My job and my employment are a pastor. I don't hold authority or power over anyone at Wellhouse. Heck, I don't even get a vote on the board. And I did it that way intentionally. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that's what this is. I think my goal here as a pastor is to be a guide and a resource for you. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit is active amongst the people of God. And I believe that each individual person, given the right tools, is capable of interpreting the voice of the Holy Spirit with their own direction in their own way and coming to the answer that they need to come to Mm -hmm. between them and God. Mm -hmm. I don't have to mediate that. That's what Jesus was for. I'm not a priest. I believe in the priesthood of all believers. I do not own you. I don't own your doctrine. I don't own the way you think. I don't own the way you talk about faith. I don't own any of that. All I am is I'm a nerd who likes to read a lot of books and wants to be available to help you when you have a question about what makes any of this work.